Soy, the final frontier. I am Captain Britain. And I'm Private Security Pat. These are the voyages of the starship USS Dog Dick, our ongoing mission. To explore new Trek movies, to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go... Back to the con store! Trek the podcast is here. One half vegan, one half weird. 100% communist. Unless we have a less left to Patrick and Britain. Talking, joking, farting and shitting. Star Trek, like our buttholes, the show is Trek. Soy Trek, the podcast is here. So listen to Soy Trek right in your ears. Hey, welcome back to the bridge, everybody. Yeah. This is part two of our episode on a little movie called Star Trek Into Darkness. Wrath of Khan, part two. Yeah, uh, Star Trek Part Two: The Wrath of Khan Part Two. Yeah, which is um, cool, I guess. Yeah, that's a decision they made. <laughs> Do I agree with it? No. Do I think it was a good idea? Also, no. <laughs> so we have ads now, as you may notice. You don't want ads? Well, soldiers, for as little as two dollars a month, you can subscribe to our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Dumb Idiot BS, and not only get ad-free episodes, but you also get them in high-quality stereo, and you get them the moment I'm done making them. All at once, baby! You also get access to a private Patreon Discord channel. Mm. Also, if you're super cool and pay $5 a month or more, we mention your name and say thank you on at least every other episode, not this one. I got him. Yeah, but uh, all those people who subscribe to us deserve a dog pick. So if you have a dog and a picture of your dog, Aww. send them a dog pick, not a dog dick. Not a dog dick. Like J.J. Abrams was. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Good. Also, if you give $10 a month or more, you get full access to my Plex server, the Media Dungeon, which has over 15,000 films, over 600 shows, whole bunch of content, more than any... Don't indiv- you mean content? Oh, you got me. <laughs> Put it on the board. Put it on the board! Uh, once again, that's patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. That's dumbidiotbs, which stands for bullshit, but also stands for barf salad, mm. which is not a coincidence. We'll see you there. I can see it like that being like a, a dish and like uh, the Midwest, like it's just barf and mayonnaise, like different, like a parfait. We call it hot dish around here. <laughs> we call it barf dish. Yeah, I, I love how like every fucking city in the Midwest has their own version of like, like yeah, we got a thing. We call it a, a manure pile. <laughs> it's just it's just French fries and tater tots and beans covered in gravy. Yeah, and I'm like with meat, uh, gravy, cheese, and then just like all. Mm-hmm. And just like kind of microwaved. Yeah. They're like, yeah, around here, these parts, we got a thing called uh, the hangover Santa's dick, which uh, is just, uh, you know, it's it's like the barf salad from over in Cincinnati, mm. but we cover it in maraschino cherries when it's done. And that's why it's like Santa's dick. 
you're gonna die if you eat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we all die, honey. We Come on, die. sit down, get a barf salad part two. But at least you're choosing when you go. It's, it's something that you that's something that you make a conscious effort to do. Absolutely. It's, you know, our, and we, you know, uh, euthanasia has been outlawed in this country. Are like, you talking the uh, the Megadeth album? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that should be outlawed. <laughs> yeah, really fucking should. <laughs> Most latter day Megadeth should be outlawed. Fuck you, Megadeth. <laughs> yeah. Um. Hello, me. It's me again. That's all I got. So, uh, last we left off in Star Trek Into Darkness. Oh, shit. Benedict Cumberbach, who plays John Harrison, had just revealed that he is, in fact, Khan Noonien Singh. Say what? That's correct. Wow, never saw that coming. Yep. Like, that's a thing. Like, I, I remember when I saw this in theaters, yeah, of course, yeah, I saw it with my mom. Mm-hmm. But I remember this part, and, like, I don't ah! think no one was surprised. Yeah, was your mom like, ah, oh, oh, my God. My mom never watched Star Trek. My dad was the one who got us into Star Trek. Yeah, but yeah, but your mom, you said, was screaming through the entire Oh, she was screaming the entire time, but she didn't scream at this part. She was confused. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she was, I mean, I think she was always confused. Yeah, she was... She screamed when, if anything, somewhat exciting happened on screen. And, of course, like, him revealing that he's Khan, not exciting. No, not really. It's, like, it's a tense moment, but, like, there's no real stakes here. Like, it doesn't matter if he's Khan or not. His delivery of the line is also completely bizarre. Mm. Like, if someone just walked up to you and been, like, Brit, I am Greg. I'd be like, (laughs) hey, do I know you? Do I know you, Greg? Yeah, yeah. He he, <laughs> he seems to think he he has this like inflated self importance, and yeah, like he did leave. That's also a line delivery for the audience. It it's is. Not, it's not a line delivery that makes sense in their world. In their world, just mm-hmm. saying that to to someone who has no context or mm-hmm. or idea of what why it's like okay. Yeah, yeah, I'd be like, con who? Con who? Like, we don't know what your origin is yet. Yeah, there's a lot of people named Con. Like, is he like Tony Con, the guy who runs AEW, the wrestling company? Could be. Because that would be interesting. I'd be like, what? Hmm. All right. (laughs) Is he Con from King of the Hill? Yeah, true. True. The the Loatian guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, could be that question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead, it's like, yeah, the delivery, it's like, yeah, it's just something to invoke a reaction from the audience. But I think at this point, like, everyone had figured out that it was Khan yeah. even before watching this movie. So, like, yeah, the whole theater was dead silent. Except, mm-hmm. you know, my mom's, like, looking weird. But she's just like, but, yeah, it was, like, no reaction from anyone. It's like, okay, well, that's that happened. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, pretty anticlimactic, really. Yeah, uh, for being like what was supposed to be a big reveal, and it was it was a thing too, where it's like, why, why, why did we need to do this? This is uh, what people hate when they're talking about like empty fan service, I think, or this is what yeah. they should hate, because this is like, oh hey, re- remember this character? It's like your story was fine enough without him. It falls apart in the third act, but up till now, like the story has been doing fine. And if it was just some guy named John Harrison who defected from Section 31, then maybe we could have a conversation about how, like, maybe Section 31 is just kind of a bad thing. But instead, we're going like, oh, no, it's not Section 31 that's bad. It's this bad guy who was doing revenge Mm. who worked for Section 31. Yeah. Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah, and or even still, like, they could probably keep the superhuman angle, but Mm -hmm. just say, like, because, you know, like, obviously, like, up to, you know, you know, and, like, 
uh, the storyline in DS9 proves that people are still doing human augmentation, mm-hmm. like just like secretly. Yeah. And so like the fact that like they could have tied it to the con program, they could have referenced it, which probably would have been interesting. Like just mm-hmm. say like, oh, you know, section 31 in secret continues the con program to make sure our agents have like super, uh, um, super, uh, uh, speed and strength super and big intelligence. Dicks. Yeah, super, super big dicks. dicks. Super, big old, big old hanging boys. Yeah, yeah. We need our, uh, <laughs> we need our comfort men. Mm-hmm. Exactly, mm. and that would have made sense, and that would have been a good way to reference Khan without actually including him, and also uh, also explain why Khan, you know, can dual wield massive uh, phasers and, and um, a huge dick too. And a huge as, dick. As yeah, I mean, that's the thing. He carrying that thing with him. He oh, that thing. He, he, he keep that thang on him. He yeah, keep that mean, motherfucker like, thang on him. If you were to step on a scale, they'd be like, wow, you look like you weigh like maybe 150 pounds, but you're like 300 i'm like yeah that's dick weight yeah i mean <laughs> if you were to like step on a scale he'd have to not step on his dick because it hangs below his feet when he gets hard he actually passes out because all the blood in his body runs no, he, dies. His dick. he dies he dies <laughs> he can't get hard he's not he can only get a semi-chub otherwise he's gonna die <laughs> yeah. he has to tourniquet it at some point it's not be- a cock ring it's a tourniquet <laughs> yeah. he has to get get a blood transfusion just to make sure <laughs> that his heart keeps pumping when he gets a gets an erection <laughs> He's he has like, to get a, tr- a transfusion whenever he gets an erection, yeah. and then he has to like bleed himself out every <laughs> so, time yeah. he, he goes soft because otherwise it's just too much blood in the system. Baby. Yeah, it's like one of those things that you put into like um, maple trees to get the sap out. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just puts up his dick and just drains it, and all the blood comes out. <laughs> he's just like, oh, that's good. I, I didn't want that blood rushing back into my body. Uh, yeah, <laughs> very Canadian of him. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so he's con. Yeah, he's con. He says uh, that he and his crew were exiled into space at the end of the 20th century. His cryo ship was found by Admiral Marcus after the destruction of Vulcan, and he alone was awoken. Whoa. Admiral, the sleeper has awoken. Admiral Marcus wanted his savagery as well as his intellect pre- to prepare for potential war with the Klingons. What? <laughs> okay, so this is where I feel like the the plot starts to kind of fall apart. It's also because like it's not like he like Khan designed the super ship that shows up later. Mm-hmm. Like that that's something they made on their own, right? Yeah, I believe so. So it's just like I feel like they're more than capable with that ship. I mean, they made some really dumb decisions mm-hmm. now they ran it, but it's just like that had nothing to do with Khan. Yeah, very true. I don't know. Yeah. So, um, th- this once again is the whole like malicious agent argument where mm-hmm. it's like these places aren't systemically broken. It's yeah. once again just an evil admiral. Yeah. So, yeah, this is sucks. This is sucks. This yeah, is that's sucks. why that's why we need to just like get rid of the admiral admiralty and just like have like a fake uh, have like a holodeck where they all go and pretend to be admirals. Ooh, I like that idea. <laughs> that way they don't do any actual harm. 
they're like uh we recall all the captains for starfleet day yeah sure okay grandpa okay <laughs> of course you do of course you do buddy and now i reveal my sinister plan but he's just talking to a bunch of holograms and they're, like, oh, and he's just like, and they're like excuse me sir it's movie night tonight do you want to see casablanca oh okay yeah. okay <laughs> oh, that's one of the movies there is there any any, any snacks there is there is there ice cream we only have popcorn sir <laughs> oh that hurts my molars oh no <laughs> oh no um so uh con also reveals that marcus wanted kirk to fire those torpedoes on chronos and purposely sabotage it sabotage the enterprise warp core leaving them stranded for the klingons to find igniting the war that marcus so desires so right here we get way too much exposition in one scene. Not only do we get the big reveal that Khan is Khan, or Harrison is Khan, but also Marcus is the actual bad guy here. Mm-hmm. We're, we're supposed to believe. And I'm like, okay. Well, great. I, I almost kind of wish they'd left it at that. Like, maybe instead just have like... Because like, Khan was doomed in Wrath of Khan because he was so bent on on revenge and Mm -hmm. and like he couldn't see anything else where this con and like it's not like con was completely unreasonable like no not entirely yeah and starseed i mean he's like you know he's a narcissist and Mm -hmm. um but that's because he is really fucking cool yeah (laughs) he's like hey i'm fucking cool and genetically engineered to be just the biggest badass and yeah i mean that's not yeah he had a big belief he's a big believer in eugenics and like yeah but it's just like I don't, I don't think he's totally beyond the pale of being saved. Yeah, and and what really made him twisted was being abandoned on that on that on that planet, uh, uh, Alpha Centi Six mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's just like I Centi feel Alpha. like he probably he probably could have been talked down or something at least. Mm-hmm. Like, but instead they're just like, well, gotta kill him. <laughs> yep, super duper. So Kirk refuses to accept that Marcus is the actual big bad and condemns Khan's actions, calling him a murderer. Mm. Uh, Bender Dick Cumminsquirt states that Marcus held his crew hostage to force him to do his bidding. He put his crew in the torpedoes in an attempt to smuggle them to safety, but they were discovered, and he was forced to escape alone. Why would you smuggle people with torpedoes? That's just a... a, a whatever. Yeah. Uh, Khan says he committed his terrorist acts on the assumption that his crew had already been killed. Which, I mean, he's a Section 31 agent, and he couldn't figure out that his crew was still alive. He seems, like, for for being really, really smart and cunning, Mm. he doesn't seem very smart nor cunning. No. Or, like, that intelligent for being a Starfleet intelligence officer. Mm -hmm. Also, I hate that we hear mostly about, like, uh, Marcus's and Khan's relationship through the explanation. Like, we don't really get to see... Like we no, it's all exposition. The only yeah. time they actually, like, interact, I think, is, like, at the very end on, like, a view screen, right? Yeah, so it's, like, hard to... So it's, like, so it's just like oh, they were working together, but you don't really connect it in your brain too much. No. And, like, and like you don't really connect the betrayal or anything else because we don't... You, we never see the actual betrayal. Mm-hmm. Like, we just see... We're seeing, we're seeing all the aftermath of that. Yeah, I mean, it would have been 
actually probably a good idea to have something earlier in the film where it seems like Marcus is talking to like another admiral or something who's mm. giving him orders, but it turns out it's actually Khan. Mm. That would have actually like kind of made everything a lot more sensical in a way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just like um, like the the Darth Sidious stuff, mm. but more better executed. Yeah. Hopefully. Who Hopefully. Knows? Hopefully. <laughs> I mean, they had a lot to cover, mostly because, like, they had to make him con, so they had to include the entire thing at the end. It's just like, if it had just been, like, yeah, if it had just been, like, rogue agent John Harrison, evil admiral, mm-hmm. like, I think that would have fit much better without having to do the whole con, um, the, the whole, like, you know, thing that most people, most normal people t- recognize with Star Trek, which is, mm-hmm. like, the whole con you know, God, you know, yeah. you know, and, uh, and the, you will always be, always be my friend type mm. shit. And it's just like, well, we didn't need that. And no, probably could have made this movie a lot shorter. <laughs> yeah. Cause they, they literally have both of those things in this movie. Yeah. They literally lift both of those mo- moments out of Star Trek to the wrath of Khan and put them in here mm-hmm. with different characters. They just switch it up. Yep. And like with the two main characters and that's it. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. I will yeah, say also, that. We'll I, it's also like I don't feel. Um, I mean, we'll get to it. I mean, but I don't think Spock's reaction is totally justified. No, like it does. It doesn't. They haven't had that much time together where it mm-hmm. feels like a genuine thing where he would give up like his his um what's a jet butthole his his Vulcan you know his Vulcan mm-hmm. training mm-hmm. and to suddenly go like a, on a um emotional psychopath mode. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> So, um, yeah. And it's weird, too, that, like, Khan, as Harrison, was working for Starfleet in Section 31, but he couldn't use any of his secret intelligence stuff to, like, bring down the people who he thought killed his his people. Because that would be, even if, you know, they are, like, criminals or whatever, like, killing 72 people is, like, a war crime, basically. And plus, look at, like, like in Starseed, like, how quickly Khan started planning to take over the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, basically immediately. Like, oh. he was, like, he had, like, tried, he, he uh, tried to commandeer it. It's, like, I think he would have had the same reaction to the Section 31 people, mm-hmm. pretty much having them under his thumb, uh, ha- uh, having, being under their thumb mm-hmm. and doing their bidding. Because, yeah. like, as, like, yeah, as we were saying, like, Khan's a narcissist. Like, he's... Like he feels he's superior to these to these people. Like he would have not. I don't think he would have put up for that with too long. Where he, he would have, and, and any slight, and actually, like he would even given like the chance for them to betray him in the first place. He would have mm-hmm. already had like a plan in the works to, to uh, undo it. But again, you know, that's why we're saying like, yeah, should have been Rogue Agent John Harrison. You'd hope, but it wasn't. No. <laughs> uh, so a and that that kind of speaks to like how broken starfleet and the federation are like in this universe Mm -hmm. is like this person cannot actually bring any of the people who are responsible for this terrible act to any sort of actual justice even though they exist in the ostensibly legal system of punitive punishment which is like the military and starfleet Mm -hmm. in general um it's kind of a liberal hellscape yeah yeah just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's J.J. Abrams' utopia, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, a ship approaches the Enterprise, but it's not from Klingon space. Kirk has uh, Binderbind Camberstanch uh, <laughs> moved to Medbay under heavy guard. 
The ship is an enormous unmarked Starfleet vessel, the USS Vengeance. Kirk is hailed by Admiral Marcus. He has the communication broadcast through the ship and recorded. He tells the Admiral that engine issues had prevented him from killing Harrison, revealing he knows the man's true identity. He also suggests Marcus knows what's going on. In turn, Marcus accuses Kirk of being affected mentally um, by Khan and insists Khan be killed immediately. He then orders Kirk to turn him over, but the Enterprise's transporters are down to clown. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, Kirk falsely tells Marcus that Khan is in engineering before halting communication and asking Chekhov if they can go into warp immediately. Chekhov says they can, but the warp core is still hobbled, so it would be risky. They try to go to warp anyway and head straight towards Earth. Well, at least we're moving again, Bones McCoy says in Medbay. However, uh, Borderline Cruncher Band remains uh, a nearby... Carol Marcus, uh, sorry, reminds a nearby Carol Marcus that they are not safe at warp speed. She runs to the bridge and warns Kirk that the Vengeance has the ability to engage other ships at warp speed and it's bigger and faster. Um, Yeah, and that's what they don't understand. Like, I mean, like later on, like, yeah, like Benedict says, like, oh, like the ship's uh, twice as big and three times as fast. Three Mm -hmm. times as fast. Yeah. Warp speed? Yeah. What was the maximum warp at um, this point? At this point, it's probably like seven or eight. So three times warp eight. Yeah. So they don't do, they don't turn into lizards. No. Okay. So the way warp factors work is it factors it's each number like um like with earthquakes mm. is a, a another factorization. So it's mm. a factor of ten. So uh, warp two is uh is. 10 or it's 10 times as fast is warp one warp three is 10 times as fast as warp two mm. yeah so it exponentializes basically okay yeah it's uh it's it's a difference <laughs> is that how you feel about it yes. are you just gonna shit all over my floor sorry you 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 come into my house <laughs> and you shit on my floor <laughs> on my daughter's birthday um <laughs> i don't know what that was <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, um, where were we here? So, yeah, Vengeance. Vengeance uh, fires an initial folly, and uh, they hit a major hull breach in engineering right aboard the Enterprise, killing dozens of crew members. Uh, and it uses the Howie scream here, which is an effect typically uh, thought to be the Wilhelm scream, mm-hmm. but it's the different one. Mm. It's the one that's more like... He does like watching people get sucked out of like holes in the ship. Oh, that is definitely one of J.J. Abrams' fetishes. Yeah, just like because he had that in the last one. It's very graphic. It's like shows them screaming, holding on. Yeah, it did that in the it did that in the first one. It do, does that a lot in this, where mm-hmm. it just shows people like grip onto something and then just be sucked out. Into got the that? Space. Got that grip? Ain't grippy enough? Yeah, ain't grippy enough to prevent you from getting killed. <laughs> it's well, like, and, and also, it goes on for so long. You think like the protective force fields would have gone in. You think? Just saying. Just saying. (laughs) 
Yeah, you, well, I mean, most of their power systems are down right now, though, because uh, the warp core and yeah. what, you know, got sabotaged and all that fun mm-hmm. stuff. So, um... <sighs> that was some sleeping gas. Oh, yeah. A, um, a, a second <laughs> volley of uh, fire cripples the Enterprise's starboard warp nacelle, causing the craft to drop out of warp between Earth and Earth's moon. Uh, so you can't warp inside a, like a solar system at all. Yeah, and they do that a lot. They, yeah, they did it in the last one. Yeah, they did, which is like, I mean, you can't, you can't do that. No. Like scientifically, reasonably, like you'll destroy everything around you in the same way that you can't fly a plane low to the ground beyond the sound barrier mm-hmm. without risking destroying like everything on the surface. Like you'll fucking destroy windows and bust people's eardrums and shit like that mm-hmm. if you try that and like pretty much the same thing in space yeah like yeah you can't do that you can't be doing that no yeah um unless it's like a trans warp thing but mm-hmm. i don't think it is no. not yet um so uh, carol marcus uh tries to contact her father skeptical that he will destroy the enterprise if he knows that she is on board and uh Indeed, he won't, and he immediately beams her aboard the Vengeance. Yeah, which is a pretty pretty good move on his part. Yeah, pretty pretty smart. It was pretty dumb for her to play that hand, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, they're just like, oh yeah, what, what's he gonna do? Beam me off the ship? <laughs> Beam noise. Um, yeah, that was pretty pretty. Is, she does like she she does scream a lot, which I think is weird. Like it's like it's it's, a, it's not like it's a painful experience. Yeah, but I mean, she's like maybe screaming because now she knows that um, all of her new friends, the people who mostly hate her, are going to die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there was that one guy who looked at her while she was half naked, so mm. and that wouldn't stop looking. Well, I mean, that was all of us. Yeah, JJ oh. Abrams made us look. <laughs> He's like, check it out. She's like, she's got a butt. And a pussy and tits. Hello. You like what you see? Hello. Here's as much as you can see in a PG-13 film. <laughs> Thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> um, so, Admiral Marcus accuses Kirk and his crew of being in league with Harrison and sentences them all to death. Kirk attempts to plead for the life of the Enterprise crew, but Marcus admits Marcus admits uh, that he was never going to spare the crew and cuts communications. Yeah, I mean they're okay. now they're oh, now like okay. witnesses. Oh yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Like this this is where everything fell apart for me. Yeah. Um why would he admit this? This is being recorded right now. They could be like recording this and sending a subspace transmission to Earth of, hey, here's why mm. fucking Marcus is an evil dude and shit. Like, there's so many things that could go wrong. A villain should never play their hand, especially in public. He's playing his whole hand in front of his entire crew, in front of Enterprise's entire crew, and in front of his daughter, who he now knows is like ideologically not in step with him. Yeah. So he's. I mean, it's the super villain trope of like explaining your entire plan. Uh, I <laughs> and then being it. like, and just being like, overly confident, like, oh, of course my enemies are going to die after this, <laughs> right? And, and no one's gonna find out. That's, no one will find out. I think that's the 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 audacity more that bothers me. Is yeah. The, 
he should have just like been like, wow, okay, hey, I'm sending something over to you uh, that I want you to have, you know, before like all this went down and just like a bomb. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, but this was dumb as hell on his part. Um, it was. You know, I love Peter Weller. Um, he's, I don't know, he, he just yells a lot in this movie though. Yeah, he does. He's fine, but it's not his finest performance. Called a lot of people boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I wish he. I think my big problem is he didn't do it in a Creole accent. No, he didn't. No, little here, upper Starfleet boy. Yeah, kind of couldn't figure out what accent he was doing. He's kind of like an old southern. He's like doing a southern accent. Southern-ish, maybe even midwestern to be honest. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, not like like North Midwestern. That's like real. Yeah. And real his, Dutch. And his, and his daughter's British. Yeah, which doesn't. Maybe she went to school in London. Yeah, just like just just like old Jack Crusher. Yep, old Jack Crusher. Yeah, went there, went there as an adult, <laughs> and developed an entire new accent. Yep, it happens. Yeah, it happens. Definitely happens. So, um, before the Vengeance can destroy the Enterprise, the Vengeance systems are suddenly reset out of nowhere. Kirk immediately re- receives a transmission from Scotty who has in fact sneaked on board the Vengeance and asks to be beamed back to the Enterprise. But uh, it will take time for the systems to restart and the transporter isn't working right now, so they have an opening to stop Admiral Marcus, but not to beam Scotty back. (laughs) So Kirk puts Spock in command of the Enterprise. Spock is resistant to this idea, but Kirk insists the Enterprise needs somebody who knows what they're doing in command. Uh, Kirk heads to sickbay and asks uh, Bilbo Bag Camper Van about the Vengeance's capabilities. He says it is a Dreadnought class, and it is twice as big and three times as fast as the Enterprise, and far more heavily armed than it. Um, this is, I guess, like the tense dialogue here that they were like really putting all their chips in on Kirk and Khan having like great chemistry in this movie. They do not. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's just fine. And it's like, these two don't really have anything against each other. No. Like, if they would have had more like Admiral Marcus versus Khan scenes, that would have probably slapped. Or yeah. if like Khan would have actually had a legitimate qualm against Kirk here at all, that could have been good too. Yeah, like the acting's not bad. It's just they don't have any like believable stakes. No, it's thing like yeah, like I mean they're they're working together and like and actually in like the context of the movie, it actually makes sense why you know like he doesn't he doesn't necessarily have anything against him. Like he killed Pike, but mm-hmm. but it's just like also he knows he's necessary. But also like and and Khan literally has zero feelings about Kirk. No, like yeah. he's basically an uh, he's basically just some guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's just like he could be doing he could be doing stuff with like fucking anybody right now. It could be Chekhov. It could be Scotty. It doesn't doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's like it, it it's there's not nothing there. No, there certainly isn't. Um, so Kirk. Um, oh yeah. At this, uh, while this is happening, McCoy injects Khan's blood into a dead Tribble to examine his blood's effects on a body. Kirk asks for Khan's help, assuring him that this will be his only opportunity to save his crew. He takes it. So Kirk and um, Bing and Bang Kissentel will traverse <laughs> space to board the Vengeance. 
The Enterprise maneuvers enough for its waste exhaust to be aligned with one of Vengeance's airlocks, and Scotty dashes to a station where he can open it manually. Kirk and Khan uh, put on thruster-powered spacesuits and navigate uh, the debris field, which looks pretty cool, I think, yeah. uh, heading to the Vengeance. During the flight, Kirk's helmet is hit by a piece of debris, knocking out his heads-up display. Khan is also knocked off course, but reestablishes himself and encourages Kirk to really realign himself with Khan's course and enter the airlock together, like friends. Inside the Vengeance, Scotty is caught by a security officer, but he is able to uh, actuate the airlock, allowing uh, bedpost lamp Cumberbund and Kirk in, while also blowing out the security officer, and also blowing the security officer. <laughs> also, like, yeah, the guy's private security, so it's like there's this, it's like... Pri- private security. Oh. He was guarding his penis. So they're just like soldiers of fortune. They were, uh, is he working for money? Is he just like it's soldiers of foreskin? Write <laughs> 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 that down. Write yeah. that down. Get it. Get it. Get it while it's hot. <laughs> um, soldier of foreskin. Perfect. I'm the soldier of foreskin. I'm the private security. <laughs> private private security, baby. Um. So, yeah, uh, Spock asks Ahura to patch him through to New Vulcan. So apparently they got a new one now. They mm. chose a new planet to, to be their home. Hopefully it's not like Utah, like the last one they chose. Yeah. Where it's just all like volcanoes and shit. Imagine they have to. I mean, that's like what the environment they like. Why would they like that? It's dumb and bad. I don't know. That's, what that's, not, where va- that's, that's not where Vulcan's vacation yeah, I mean that's that's what they like though. It's like it's it, it's. I don't think so. Yeah. No, I think that's what they're like. They're forced to do. It's like people who live in Alaska don't love Alaska and its weather and shit. That's true. They live there for other reasons. Like they're a libertarian. Yeah. Or their parents force them to. They want to eat nothing but elk meat for their entire life, or moose meat. Yeah, hell yeah, or elk camino. Mm. Oh, elk camino. Elk amino. Yeah. Elk amino acids. <laughs> <laughs> that is the movie starring Eric, Aaron Paul. Elk Camino. Elk Amino. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Spock asks Ahura to patch him through to New Vulcan and reaches his counterpart from the Prime Universe. One Ambassador Spock. Say what? Yeah, this this here I was like, okay, what? <laughs> I didn't know he still existed in the Prime Universe here or in the in the Kelvin universe. And yeah, he didn't go home. Yeah, I guess I guess not. It's interesting, I guess. Yeah, is that is actually his last acting job. Um, it certainly was, yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah, by the third one he dies and yeah, like in the third one they acknowledge that um Spock had died and stuff and yeah. that becomes a plot point for Spock in that movie. And uh, once again, you know, Spock had to um, you know, or rather, Leonard Nimoy had to act in this film in order to get health insurance from yeah. from SAG because he was dying. He also got as much a coffee ice cream as he wanted to eat. Coffee ice cream? Yeah, apparently Leonard Nimoy loved coffee ice cream and said he'd do it as long as there was like tons of coffee ice cream on set. That that, he could eat. that, that actually kind of rocks. Yeah, I, I bet Hagen Dazs. You think he seems like a Hagen Dazs guy? Yeah, probably. I mean, I love a coffee ice cream myself. It's really oh, me too. But you can't do Hagen Dazs because no. they don't have a dairy free coffee yet. No! No! 
Um, so the younger Spock asks older Spock about Khan and if his elder self encountered Khan before. Although Ambassador Spock has not wanted to alter his younger self's destiny and says that he won't allow himself to do anything that could really change the other universe, he makes an exception in this case because they need it for the movie. Uh, He reveals that Khan is none other than Khan Noonien Singh, the most dangerous adversary ever faced by the crew of the Elder Spock's Enterprise. Khan is, according to old Spock, brilliant, ruthless, and will not hesitate to kill every single crew member. The Elder Spock recalls that he and his shipmates defeated Khan, but at a terrible, terrible cost. I like he's saying that because he died. <laughs> yeah. Like, at, a like, ter- yeah. at a terrible cost of the greatest life of the greatest man Starfleet ever knew. You will lose the greatest man that has ever lived. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, and he would then say who it is. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> uh, You know what else is a terrible cost, Pat? Hmm. Hosting and producing a podcast is fucking good as this shit. <laughs> so we're going to go to some ads for 90 seconds and we'll be right back. Bye. And we're back. Patreon.com slash dumb idiot BS if you want to not have ads on your episode. All right. Our episode. Our episode, comrade. R. The letter R. <laughs> this episode for. is brought to you by the letter, actually, our ads and sponsors, but also the letter R for Russian. <laughs> Russian. Oh, yeah, Russian. Russian. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like in Star Trek 4, they call him Russian. <laughs> so now we're on the Bridge of the Vengeance, where Admiral Marcus confronts Carol, his daughter, who what? simply slaps him and expresses her shame for being his daughter. She should, because he's a war criminal. He do be, he do be. He do be war criminal in. Uh, Khan, Kirk, and Scotty head towards the bridge on foot where Babylon Cooter Snatch is navigating them through the engine compartments where weapons cannot be safely used. Uh, they succeed in a fist fight with the Vengeance crew. And this is a whatever. It's a shaky, shaky fast fist fight. Mm. I don't know. I don't, I don't love modern fighting action most of the time because yeah. it's usually very poorly choreographed or it's just like very shaky and you can't really tell what the fuck is going on mm. not a huge fan of that and that's one of these yeah um it'd be cool if it was like karate and shit it is interesting also like i think they say like the crew of the whatever it is the vengeance name, vengeance um uh there's like not as like they don't need like a huge crew it's mostly self-operational and stuff mm-hmm. it's like well, then, so all, so all these guys, the uh, only job just being the security officer because, like, they dispatch, so. they dispatch a large number of these guys. They do, and it's like, well, what's what's the actual crew complement? They're all security. <laughs> yeah, they're all they're all security. Yeah, no engineers. They're all fucking red shirts. Yeah, just expendable army. <laughs> yeah, because they're all just like really yoked guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, so Khan jumps ahead of them briefly. Kirk tells Scotty to stun Khan the moment they secure the bridge. Spock orders all of his medical personnel to engineering and asks Dr. McCoy to work on arming their torpedoes. And he's like, God damn it, I'm a doctor, not a torpedo technician. 
and it's all right. It's but all right. He, he kind of proved that he is. All right. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing is like <laughs> he's so competent. Like, come on, don't say you're not a thing. You're a thing. Like, you're too competent now. Buddy. But it's also funny. Like, it does seem like along with lot with the um the uh, with a uh, star Starfleet. Uh, crew members and all of all of them mm-hmm. like there doesn't there seems to be a lot of crossover between all the other fields for yeah. each for each starfleet officer except when it comes to medical that's like, true medical yeah. officers don't don't typically like branch out of doing other things uh, and also like other officers don't branch into any medical stuff at all either that's true because they're not qualified yeah i mean it's a whole different field really yeah but that but also like but you see though like you know like uh someone like i mean tom paris kind of did like he kind of filled in for the thing but oh and then like but bashir also, too like bashir yeah. did you know the section 31 arc and whatever then, and so you know that's true the different people and you know actually no no bashir does a lot of shit so bashir is always on away missions he is yeah with dax with uh fucking o'brien like he's always doing shit. Like everyone on DS9 is basically always out and about. They even put like Quark on away missions occasionally and shit they like did. that. And it's like, what are you doing here, Quark? <laughs> you run a fucking bar. You're a bartender. What are you doing? Like doing like ops, man. Yeah, yeah, he's skilled. Yeah, and you know he's a he's a Ferengi, so he yeah. does have some skills that uh, they could require occasionally. Maybe a big old honking dick. Big old Ferengi dick. As um as Gene Roddenberry envisioned, that was mm-hmm. actually Gene's vision: is that Ferengis have huge dicks, and I'm not kidding about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm 100 percent serious. Look it up; it's amazing. He was he was adamant that they have big old giant hogs, big old, which, ex- which explain like you know also like their pool with girls. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. Like little goblin dudes that just got mm-hmm. these big old big old swinging dongs. Yeah, that's why you know a fucking Ferengi can still pull a fucking Klingon woman who requires. A certain amount of, uh, how do you say, um, big, painful dick. <laughs> you know? It's true. Yeah, I was going to say two, je ne sais quoi, but I think that's the same to, thing. Two next to each other, so it's like DV. Yeah, I mean, it's one on top of the other. So and I'm not talking like, about domestic violence. I'm talking about double vaginal. Yeah. <laughs> one of those things cops won't do with their wife. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only one. <laughs> Only one. Um, so <laughs> immediately when, uh, um, yeah, immediately when the Vengeance's weapons come back online, Kirk and his crew make it to the bridge and stun everyone except for Admiral Marcus and Carol. They really mm-hmm. should have stunned Admiral Marcus. Yeah, they should have. Yeah. Uh, Scotty then stuns Khan just as he was ordered to do. Khan places Admiral Marcus, or sorry, Kirk places Admiral Marcus under arrest and orders him out of his chair, not wanting to take him by force in front of his daughter. Who cares it, at this point? He just tried to fucking kill you all. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I, like I think and also like yeah, like like I think if they if they took him into custody in front of his daughter, like she'd be like, no, that makes sense. Like I'm, I think I'm more traumatized by the fact that I just watched my dad tried to kill bunch of people right right <laughs> and also like um when i said he wouldn't take him by force i'm talking about uh yeah you know his bussy yeah that bussy yeah yeah, that bussy. yeah so i mean maybe it's a good thing he didn't he didn't mm-hmm. it's probably a good thing especially yeah. in front of his daughter that would be like that would be such an extreme show of dominance to just like if fucking Kirk whipped it out and just like stuck it inside of Marcus's mouth right at this moment, 
I mean, it'd be a welcome display of dominance <laughs> for me. Yeah. But narratively, I mean, I'm sure there's lots narratively of it would be complicated. I think Star Trek Into Darkness XXX probably starts off that way. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yep. Mm. Well, I mean, Star Trek Into Darkness Triple X is just Star Trek Into Darkness with Xander Cage edited in oh. from the Triple X films. Mm. Vin Diesel, if you will. <laughs> yes. Hmm. So, um, Marcus yells a bunch, uh, and it's honestly not Peter Weller's finest acting job. No, it's not, unfortunately. Like, no, it's fine. That's the thing. Like, I feel like you put Peter Weller in that role. Like, I think if he was the primary antagonist, mm-hmm. he would have, like, killed it. Oh, 100%. If he wasn't just some, like, tertiary, like... Because that's the thing is, like, Peter Weller was a great villain here. Or he, yeah. he had, like, a good setup for a villain. He's, like, the heavy in this, in this, in this, where he's, like, the heavy as in, like, he has, like, the big old ship. And, like, he's, mm-hmm. like, the main and te- main villain from a from a physically imposing standpoint. Yeah. And, and from, from actually a narrative standpoint, too, like, Khan mm-hmm. really wouldn't have any qualms if it weren't for Marcus, really. Yeah. And so, like, he is ultimately, he's the bad guy in the way that I contend that the true bad guy of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, is Kirk himself. Oh, absolutely. And so, yeah, like, he, he is the system behind what is wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, I like, you know, recognizing that, but then they go ahead and after, so, okay, we'll, we'll just talk about this here after I read this. Um, so, um, Khan is not... Uh, stunned is they would have hoped because they hit him with the stunner uh, and it didn't really work because he's super strength and whatever and he gets up and attacks Scotty and Kirk. He then breaks Carol's leg and uh, then crushes Admiral Marcus's skull. Yeah, which is pretty sick. And then he says my favorite line. Mm -hmm. Like when I was watching this uh, the other night, like I was going like, "You should have let me sleep. You should have let me sleep." Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, you should. You should have let me sleep. (laughs) And he 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 delivers it so gravelly and so uh, it's it's kind of silly, but I liked it in the moment. It's like. It's very mustache twirly. And that's how I feel a lot of times when I'm yes. like having trouble going to bed. I'm like, you sort of let me sleep. Yeah, when my cat starts dragging her bowl across <laughs> the ground at like 5 a.m. You clasp your hands around her head like, you sort of let me sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why she runs away from me every time I look at her. <laughs> you you know I wouldn't. You crush her skull every night. Every single night. Mm-hmm. She comes, she keeps haunting me. <laughs> She's just haunting me. She keeps coming back. She's coming back. The cat came back the very next day. <laughs> the cat came back. Okay, really? Okay, fine. Fine, fine. I'll stop. Yeah, but the, the crushing of the skull was actually pretty sick. I wish yeah. they would have shown it. Yeah, I also like... We just um, hear a cool sound. I like Carol's scream. She does like the weirdest scream. Yeah, she does a horror movie like... And lo- yeah, it looks like a cat screaming. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, ah! <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> so, Khan hails the Enterprise and orders Spock to give him the photon torpedoes. That's what he calls sperm. Mm. Give me them photon torpedoes. <laughs> right a around whole the hole. mess of them. Yeah. Give me a photon necklace. Yeah, glaze, glaze that donut hole, baby, <laughs> with your photon torpedoes. <laughs> Uh, Spock refuses, but Khan says he can get them himself without Spock's help. 
by disabling the Enterprise's life support system and waiting for the crew to suffocate before retrieving the torpedoes himself. And Spock's like, that's not what I meant when I said choke me. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, at least let me get into into the mood first. Yeah. Gotta kiss me on the mouth first before we start the consensual choking. Yeah, or, or, or maybe kiss me a little bit lower than the mouth. <laughs> on my Vulcan penis. Shh. Shh. There, there. Settle down, little one. <laughs> Eat that Vulcan penis. <laughs> So since this crew is frozen, uh, they don't need air anyway. No. Uh, Con's crew. That makes sense. Yeah. So Spock complies and assists Con in locating the torpedoes. Once again, has come. Mm -hmm. He beams them safely aboard and then beams Kirk, Scotty, and Carol Marcus onto the Enterprise before, guess what? Tricked you. He attacks it again. Oh, that goof. He's such a goofer. He's such a goofer spoofer. <laughs> like, they, like, they fell for this thing twice. Yeah. Like, he's he sabotaged them twice. Like, you got to learn, like, not to trust Khan. Yeah. And, like, I mean, how do you do that? You you know, you, you capture him, you send him out in a space pod or something like that. I don't know. Or you just, like, actually, like, you know, bring him to some kind of real restorative justice. Yeah. But I, I think they're writing that off because this is... This is like a universe in which, I mean, it's it's a it's a fucking neoliberal universe in which all people are bad only by their own moral failing, mm-hmm. and not by you know a failure of a system. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you know, yeah, he did the eugenics wars and stuff like that, and that sucks. But you know, either fucking execute him, or if you're gonna let him live, try to rehabilitate him or do something. Mm-hmm. But instead, they fucking, you know, I guess make him a member of Section 31 because they don't know who the fuck he is. Because yeah. <laughs> they don't, like, blood test anybody, even though, like, genetic engineering is illegal. They have no way of looking at it. I think they knew who he was. You think they did? Oh, yeah. well, I mean, Marcus did, but yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. Because uh, Marcus is the only one who said he, like, wanted to use his power or whatever. Mm. His big, fat con cock. <laughs> Conk. Conk? <laughs> It'd just be cock. Um, which another thing they include in this, which is like completely unearned and funny. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it when yeah. it gets there. So, um, unbeknownst to him, uh, unbeknownst to Con, Spock had the photon torpedoes armed before beaming them to the vengeance. They explode hopelessly disabling the ship and leaving Khan anguished over the loss of his 72-person crew. Oh, no. No! Dr. McCoy then tells Kirk that Spock has had the cryotubes removed and they are safely in medbay. The Enterprise engines go completely down and main power fails with backup power severely crippled. So so here's 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 the question. Like Khan just wants his people and he wants to leave, right? Mm-hmm. Um they're only pissing him off more by making him think his crew is dead. And like up well, I think they were hoping that would kill him too. Yeah, me yeah, you're probably right, which is like I don't know. There's 
there's a real lack of like even the ability for restorative justice in this worldview mm. in this whole movie it's oh, like yeah. they have Khan in a cage at one point and he seems fine and docile but the moment they let him out he's the evilest evil again mm. and he finds some way to be eviler than fucking Marcus who's the the person they should be focusing on because he's like the systemic harm because also like one thing they don't do in this movie which um they don't really explain to the audience what the eugenics war was Mm. So that's another. That's a good point. Not at all. That's and another. That's another point where they're relying on the previous people, a knowledge of the previous film, which mm -hmm. you know is fine for Trekkies because yeah, I don't think we like we we think about it too hard. You know, when we watch because we know the original film, but right, like, right. But when you're introducing this kind of character to just like um, the nor normie audience and just like people who have never done had any previous experience with Star Trek, it'd be pretty mm -hmm. pretty confusing. Like you still you still want to know who Khan is. Yeah, and like yeah. why he's such a threat more yes. more so than anything. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I don't know. This this doesn't set up like a very great narrative that stands on its own, no. I think. And it is a sequel, but at the same time, it's a sequel and a reboot slash remake. Yeah. At the same time. And I think in ways it definitely succeeds as a sequel but it 100% fails as a reboot. Yeah. Which is, I think, the main problem with the film, that it is a Wrath of Khan film, and it absolutely doesn't need to be. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it is one detracts incredibly from the story. And the yeah. way that the marketing dropped the ball on it, too, made it so it was never going to have as big of an impact as something like the actual Khan returning. You know what, I'm, I'm wondering if, like, Khan was originally was originally in the first draft of the script was the villain. Um, because, like, because if you think about it, like, I wonder if he was added in another draft because, because, yeah, it's like it doesn't seem natural for him to be the villain. Actually, you know, like, it would make sense. It would make a lot more sense if they cut out the Harrison character entirely mm. and Admiral Marcus was Khan mm. and they didn't have any Carol Marcus either. They like, didn't. oh yeah, like he could have been like taken out like years before so we're actually seeing an older Khan. Exactly, yeah. exactly. We Yeah, we have uh, yeah much older Khan now who has infiltrated Starfleet from the inside and is now the evil Admiral Admiralty, mm. which is one way they could use the evil Admiralty trope and the con character i think in a good way together uh -huh. but they kind of fucked the dog on that one but you know jj abrams might be kind of into that kind of thing yeah zoink scoob look out for that guy <laughs> jj likes some weird stuff man uh -oh. oh no oh geez he's putting beastie boys on <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh. <laughs> no! Intergalactic planetary planetary intergalactic. Oh no! Oh no, Scoob! Um. So. Uh, the Enterprise engines go completely down, and main power fails, with backup power severely crippled. With the ship having been uh, station-keeping right over Earth, it promptly begins to fall towards the planet. Spock orders all personnel to abandon ship, but the crew refuses, willing to go down with him, 
or go down on him. And so and it's falling because the warp core is off, right? Yeah, something like that. So they, but when the warp core is ejected in a ship, like yeah. it can still go at impulse power and still has. Yeah, it has impulse engines or should. Yeah. So yeah. why did why would that affect like just like the stabilization thrusters? Because J.J. Abrams doesn't really watch Star Trek, <laughs> nor does Alex Kurtzman, yeah, nor Damon Lindelof, nor the other guy. No. No. Yeah, because like the sh- they eject the warp core, ship still has power. They can go impulse speed. Mm-hmm. Like, suddenly the throw-up core is off and the ship is bricked, except for... No one's able to... There's Earth space dock doesn't exist and can't use a tractor beam or anything? Nope. No nearby ships again, you know, showing like, you know, just like and the trope of like the Star Star Trek movies never having another ship in, 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 uh, in, um, in uh, range. And you know, they can never do anything. You know, you figure this close to 9-11, it's only been a couple hundred years. Mm. You know, they'd probably shoot that motherfucker out of the sky the moment it started coming towards San Francisco. You think? And also, the fact that it hits San Francisco of all places... Come on. <laughs> well, it's like how every movie, like, something falls in New York City. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. It has to be, like, the most iconic place in their universe. Yeah. Like, because that's the thing, is that's one of two cities we still know for certain exists in the Star Trek future. Mm-hmm. Although I guess they kind of uh, added a lot more in Picard. Yeah. But in every version of Star Trek, there's always San Francisco and Paris. Yeah. Those places definitely exist. <laughs> I haven't seen New York City, I think. Um, I feel like someone goes to New York City in a, in a, a time episode, I feel. Mm. I think it's TOS does one. Mm. That might be right. Maybe not. I don't know. Mm. So anyway. Um, mm. So the ship is falling towards Earth. Uh, Spock orders all personnel to abandon ship, but they refuse. Um, Kirk and Scotty make their way to engineering, which seems it is a very difficult trip with the ship tumbling and artificial gravity failing. And so, like, the ship's going sideways, and people are, like, falling straight down the hallways like they're giant vertical shafts mm-hmm. and getting squashed and shit. And I think J.J. Abrams definitely has a fetish for this type of thing yeah. as well. Like, uh, yeah, wonky gravity everything going wrong in space yeah that, yeah that's the thing like <laughs> like are they being affected by the earth's gravity right now is that what's happening because like yeah. they're in, they're still in the ship so they're they're technically if like is it just the ship stabilize stabilizers are putting them in other way, ways because it's yeah, not like it's not like if the ship were to fucking go sideways they would all fucking fall sideways that, yeah that's the thing that doesn't make any sense to me is we actually see the ship hurtling towards earth and it's only at like maybe I don't know like a thirty degree downward angle, mm-hmm. which is like being in a car on a hill. Like, and if yeah. you're in a car on a hill, you don't like, or a bus on a hill, you don't tumble down the fucking like the aisle because it's not like that at yeah, all. Yeah, and they're still and they're still in space technically, and so like like the there's the reason that they have like floors or or directions is mm-hmm. because of the of where the stabilizers are and like and it's it's putting them on the floor and also if i'm not mistaken like the gravity thing is something to do with like how their boots attach to the floor mm. as well in most star trek at least and so i don't i don't really know 
Yeah, I don't. Uh, once again, I don't think these guys watch Star Trek. Nah, I know it's what's going on here. So, <laughs> but it's it's cinematic, I guess, having everyone fly around. And yeah, it's very like Titanic. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of Titanic when you know the the guy like falls off like the top of the ship and hits the the pipe in the middle. Mm. It's whatever. It's <laughs> a thing. Um, so when they get there uh, to engineering, Scotty and Kirk. Uh, are hanging from the walkways when the ship is upside down and i don't know how it gets upside down but they're <laughs> they're saved by chekhov mm. uh when they reach the warp core yeah that's the thing if the artificial gravity went off i mean are they in the atmosphere at this point because they think they're still in upper atmosphere so they should all be floating yeah okay um yeah <laughs> no point are they floating they're always under like full gravity one way or the other but it never shows the ship completely sideways or completely upside down in the earth's atmosphere no that's why i was thinking like it's just like the gravity is being like misdirected to different places i don't know but should they uh, they but that's not because the sh the problem is with like the power systems on the ship mm -hmm. yeah mm. i don't know um yeah, because it's it's the main power failing and the engine's going completely down. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's like their problem. It's not that they were sabotaged and like sabotaged. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> not again. No. Uh, <laughs> Kirk decides to fix the warp core himself because, of course, he knows how to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, because I guess the injectors are broken in the warp core. Yeah, I guess. Who cares? Um, but the chamber containing it is loaded with lethal radiation. Kirk overrides objections, uh, Scotty voices, by knocking him out with a punch, which is so fucked up. What? Like, he just gave this dude CTE because he's like, <laughs> I don't want you to die, Captain. And he's like, fuck you. Boom. And might have killed him. He could have killed him. <laughs> A one-punch knockout will oftentimes kill someone. That'd be amazing if he murdered Scotty <laughs> because he wanted to like be a hero. Yeah, I'm not gonna let you. I'm gonna let you die in there. And he punches him, and then he's then he falls over and does like a million-dollar baby and breaks his neck. <laughs> <laughs> and like he's like, no, oh, oops. <laughs> Next, like, next time we see uh, Scotty, he's pretty much a lunch cart. Yeah. <laughs> he's a, he's in the thing that Pike was in. Oh my god! <laughs> beep, beep. Oh my god! What's he trying to say? What's what's the, what's the constant beeping? I mean, uh, it means fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> That's actually the only phrase he asked to be put on his machine. <laughs> Weird. Um, so, Kirk decides to fix the warp core himself and punches Scotty out. Yeah. Um, and then he enters the warp core chamber. Kirk manages to knock the dislocated side of an injector back into place, and the warp core co consequently fires right back up, simultaneously exposing Kirk to the radiation. Say what? What? This is God. I swear to God, I've seen something like this before. Yeah. Where? Where though? Where? Where? God. I swear to God, I've seen this Khan fellow somewhere too <laughs> yeah. before. It's and just. It's just funny that like both situations with Khan, even though they're radically different, end up the same way. It's something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, they end up the same way. This movie is so very much to the Wrath of Khan as The Force Awakens is to Star Wars A New Hope. Yep, absolutely. There is a direct comparison to be made there, honestly. Which is funny, because, yeah, J.J. Abrams did them both. 
that's not funny because J.J. <laughs> Abrams is not that creative. No. He's just like, you know what I love? I love doing the same thing mm-hmm. that the original did, but better. Better? No, like what well, what the original did, but better. Well, what the original did better, I guess. I'm there you to go. Yeah. That's that is yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like what are you trying to say? Because that's no, no, both he does wrong. It, he does it, but worse. There you go. There that's that what I was, that, yeah. that is what you meant. Yeah, yeah. I hope. <laughs> you better have you better have motherfucker. Uh, so. Um, Kirk manages to knock him the thing back, but he's exposed to the radiation. The ship enters Earth's atmosphere now. Say what? But stops falling just below a layer of clouds and stabilizes with multiple thrusters firing. The Enterprise's systems gradually come back online. When he regains consciousness, Scotty calls Spock urgently to engineering. And he's like... You're first officer, yes? I want to file a res- assault report <laughs> against your commanding officer. Yeah. Um, so uh, he wakes up and like his is like uh, his pants are unbuttoned. He's like, "What did he do?" <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't remember how to engineer anymore. <laughs> he just feels violated. He has to go take a sonic shower and he just cries <laughs> and cries. Spock goes to the door to the chamber, which Kirk is lying against. Um, They cannot open the chamber until it is decontaminated because it's got sperm all over. Yeah, he came all over that motherfucker. Kirk is like, well, if I only got minutes to live, zip. Yeah, I mean, honestly, same. Yeah, same. (laughs) I I just think a lot about... uh, J.J. Abrams, what he, <laughs> the peanut butter jar. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Time to make a sandwich. <laughs> a PB&D, a PB&D, a p- peanut butter and dog. <laughs> <laughs> make, a, make a sandwich. One piece of bread is my dick. Another piece of bread is the dog. And the peanut butter's in the middle, <laughs> in the dog's mouth. <laughs> Just puts it between his butt cheeks. Yep. Butt cheeks are the bread. <laughs> Dog dick? That's the meat. That's the meat. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Imagine. Sticking a gun to a dog's head. <laughs> like, you wouldn't know what you're doing. Yeah. Like, You'd be like, Roro. <laughs> You'd just be like, Ruff, what's this? What? And start licking the gun. Jeez, Scoob, he's trying to get you to suck his dick with a gun to your head. Roro. Roro. Yeah, so. Um, Kirk offers that sacrificing himself to save the crew is what Spock would have done. Harkening back to what Spock did. Yeah. <laughs> um, knowing that he's going to die, Kirk tells Spock that he's scared and asks him how he is able to not feel. Spock, now himself in tears, and honestly, I didn't feel very emotionally impacted by the scene at all. No, me either. Especially compared to like the Wrath of Khan. This didn't do it for me. No. I wish it did, but it really didn't. It, mm-hmm. Like, the two of them aren't good enough friends. They don't care enough about each other, and mm-hmm. therefore, I don't care enough about them to like have any real emotional stakes between like Kirk caring that 
or uh, Spock caring that Kirk is dying. Yeah, again, too reliant on on the on the on the um, original material. Like you know, it's it's uh, you know you know movie on the on the material. You know, like if you're just telling an original story, like mm-hmm. that's gonna be that be enjoyed. But yeah, if you're if if like the emotion if the emotional aspect of it is mm-hmm. like requiring you to like think about like the pre you know the 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 um, pre-existing material to from that mm-hmm. it's not good <laughs> yeah yeah if if your movie is relying on you having knowledge of a 30 year old movie and able <laughs> in order to like understand what they're trying to do mm-hmm. perhaps it's not great yeah and that's the thing even becoming uh like the character moments that they were having like there wasn't enough character moments between i mean i guess they like the beginning like you know them being mad at each other and stuff but mm-hmm. like but but between that it was like mostly like you know like um, Spock and Yahura arguing arguing and, and then like McCoy and Scotty being funny yeah and Kirk being a fucking dickhead yeah we don't get that thing you know it too much where it's just like we're emotionally invested in like a che- Chekhov actually has a little bit of growth because he's thrown into engineering he is yeah I actually che- I, I, I do like is there there was no there was no one else that worked in engineering and play and, and yeah uh, right he's like hey you're a helmsman but you've been shadowing Scotty you're fucking engineer now and then like the second engineer in command is like but what but, what am I a joke but, to you yeah like <laughs> but I, I've been shadowing Scotty for you <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <sighs> <laughs> oh well there's a guy named like scotty too <laughs> like scotty's literal clone he made of himself <laughs> but pl- captain i'm telling you i know exactly what he does <laughs> i know exactly how he thinks i don't know what you're thinking captain please <laughs> um so spock himself in tears admits that he doesn't know uh how he's not able to feel and is failing to hold back his emotions finally mm-hmm. Kirk then begins to tell Spock why he saved his life on Nibiru. But Spock knows and says, because you are my friend. And they can't, that can't be the first time they they confess friendship to each other right when he's dying. It's not good for emotional stakes because I don't care about someone making friends with someone right when they die. Yeah. Like up until this, they've had a contentious relationship. And so I'm not buying it really. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's not it's not the earned, er, the like earned as it was in yeah. Wrath of Khan. It it would be so much better if uh, it was like um, you know Kirk begins to tell Spock why he saved his life, but Spock knows and says, "Because Jim, you're my direct supervisor, and if I died, you would be <laughs> fucked." <laughs> so after saying this, uh, he sheds a tear. Kirk reaches out to Spock as the Vulcan presses his hand against the partition in the Live Long and Prosper salute, just like he does in Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. <coughs> except, it, except it's different. No, it's the other way around. They Not, did a whoopsie-woo. I also want to say, like, the the um, the radiation scene mm-hmm. in Wrath of Khan was also better. You know, like, like obviously, you know, like, worse you know special effects and everything else Mm -hmm. but like it was so much more powerful watching um uh spock put himself directly into that beam of light 
yeah. and then be exposed to the radiation, and it felt like way more dramatic. Way because well, because the fans at the time didn't know that they were ever going to bring Spock back. Yeah, they thought he was actually going to die. Whereas, mm-hmm. first off, we already knew that the marketing fucked the dog on Khan. Yeah, uh, but then past that, like. I'm pretty sure like Star Trek three had already been greenlit at this point, And mm-hmm. so no one was under the illusion that they were actually going to kill Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah they're not exactly. going to do that. That's silly. Yeah. And so like when he dies, it's like, okay, so how are immediately what you think during the film is not like, Oh my God, Kirk, you think, Oh, how are they going to revive him? Mm-hmm. Which isn't a thing that as a storyteller, you want someone to think immediately mm-hmm. about how your thing's going to end instead of being caught up in the moment with it. Yeah, it, that's that's what, that's another reason why I was also thinking like the con mm-hmm. um, thing. I think was tacked on to original to another script where he mm-hmm. wasn't the villain. Yeah, because this all feels very just like tacked on last minute with 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 a lot of that was like almost rushed mm-hmm. and not a lot of like like consideration about the rest of the movie because it's like it just felt like something they you know like well let's put con in so we can have this like iconic moment happen. And, mm-hmm. And and because yeah, it just it just feels very weird and compared to the rest of the it film. It does. So so this is where I think the movie takes a fucking dump. Yeah, it does dump. So so up until this point, I'm pretty much fine with most everything, mm-hmm. but this just sets off like uh, emotional hatred, revenge versus emotional hatred, revenge for the past like for the last like 20 minutes of the film. Yeah. So maybe I can get through this as quick as possible because <laughs> it's whatever. Um, so yeah, and and also like and of course like the magic blood being introduced as a, as the Dusex Machina. It's oh, we'll, like, we'll we'll get there. But, I mean, it, they they kind of check off guns that Chekhov's gunned that with the uh, the Tribble. Yeah, the Tribble and the kid in the beginning. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Kirk I didn't quite say this, but Kirk now finally dies of radiation poisoning. Thank God. Hell yeah. Rest in piss. Uh, Spock, in all his rage and hate uh, towards the man who he now blames for his friend's death, erupts and yells his name. Khan! It's the worst part of the entire. Movie. It is. It is funny because it's, it's like stupid. It's, it sucks. It's it, again like it doesn't feel earned. It's so unearned, and it's like <laughs> like he had he had less reaction to himself about to die. Yes, and 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 again, like we didn't get too much of their friendship in this, to where it would no. seem like this would be like. A believable reaction that he would have. In fact, like he made co- made comments similar where he would be like, "No, I would not," you know. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's something that's done in the in the act in the in do, well, during the course of duty. Yeah, it's like they definitely have a professional relationship, but then Spock decides to place a very false meaning on it mm-hmm. at the moment of Kirk's death because I don't know. He needs some emotional outlet or some shit. He needs to grieve in order to fucking uh justify himself murdering a man something like that yeah executing a guy instead of bringing him into justice in any way yeah that sounds right anyway (laughs) so the vengeance which is failing now as the enterprise is stabilizing uh falls past the enterprise into earth's atmosphere out of control Mm -hmm. khan now bent on revenge for the uh, death of his crew thinking that they're dead targets his ship on a suicide run at starfleet headquarters (laughs) 
the vengeance uh, burns through the atmosphere of Earth, and everyone's like, oh, of course it's going straight towards San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And it crashes, crushes Alcatraz, the prison, (laughs) skims across San Francisco Bay and plows through the city. I'm very surprised it didn't, like, destroy the Golden Gate Bridge because... Mm Why not? Um, that, is, that is, yeah, crazy. They just straight up destroy Alcatraz. But you know what? Good. Yeah, no, fuck prisons. That's, yeah. that's good, good on him. Mm-hmm. Khan's a hero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone starts cheering. He's yeah. like, what? Uh? I don't know. Uh, so he levels everything in his path with the spaceship, though. So mm-hmm. this is a pretty sick 9-11 sequence, I guess. Although it mm-hmm. was kind of dumb that he was able to do it so perfectly. Yeah. It just so happened the Earth was turning at a point where it was that face towards san francisco mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that'd be funny if it was like china or something <laughs> like, like, oh, why, why would that be funny pat well it's just like it's just like do you have something to say pat no i'm just saying like you know, <laughs> it's just appropriate because like you know he has his, has his beef with starfleet and that's where starfleet headquarters is and it's just like okay so of course it hits it, that and it, it, yeah it'd be funnier if he like aimed it towards san francisco and just like went way into the middle of the pacific ocean <laughs> yeah it just like you see it hurling towards San Francisco and it just goes straight past into the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> a harbor seal look up because the entire ship falls on a har- on a single harbor seal. <laughs> just destroys like a, a coral reef and that's about it. Oh, taking it back to the beginning. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Destroying the coral destroy, reef. We destroy baby. your coral reef. They're gonna destroy yours. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was con- that con was the coral reef from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like the paint. Like a bunch of makeup falls off of Khan's Con, face, and he's the he's like one of those uh, pure white people with the black eyes. So, Spock, returning to the bridge of the Enterprise, orders Sulu and Chekhov to find Khan, believing him to be capable of surviving the crash. And they're like, "No one can survive that." And they're like, "No one but Khan." Uh, so sensors locate him, but there is too much interference to beam him to the Enterprise. Why? They're on Earth. There's no toxic ash here. Yeah. That's like, you can't keep on using that as excuse because then it makes all of your systems look incompetent. Come on, guys. I think, I guess that's, you know, they always had to come up with that some reason because, like, if, if like, like, you know, stuff like transporters and stuff are, like, poison to a writer who wants a dramatic scene to happen you know it's like well why do they just transfer like damn it Uh, uh, some sort of interference interference it's always interference it's always Mm -hmm. the gamma rays and shit yep so um instead spock elects to beam down to earth and take con out himself so uh he does Uh, after a chase through the chaos that has now engulfed the heart of starfleet in san francisco Spock finally catches up with Khan on the top of a moving garbage barge. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It is definitely like a city garbage barge. Which is weird. It's a very strange choice for them. Like, it's, it's funny because, like, they, it, they crash. It seems like it initially happens in a very, like, business district type place. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a bunch of office buildings, well-dressed people all walking around. And then it immediately goes into a very industrial area. It's like Houston. There is no... Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, oh, suddenly there's this big industrial pit. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no safety 
sa- uh, safety rails around this giant pit. No. And, and and all these ships that are flying out. It's like, okay, so that's just like a pit that's open all the time that any child could wander into. But Yeah, it's but, a garbage pit. But yeah, it's it's just, a San Francisco <laughs> great garbage pit. Yeah. The Golden and Gate this, garbage this pit. This thing doesn't stink or anything. Yeah. But yeah, you would imagine like, oh yeah, they would have some sort of like... They would like have some a, a, a better way to dispose of garbage than actually having like it being physically transported by ships, mm-hmm. you know. But Indeed. What, what do I know? Nothing. 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 So Khan quickly relieves Spock of his phaser uh, that he's trying to shoot him with, leaving the two to struggle using hand-to-hand combat. Oh shit! Leaving Spock slightly outmatched in the Enterprise's med bay. Kirk's body lies in an open body bag surrounded by Dr. McCoy, Carol Marcus, Scotty, and other crew members who are all saddened by the loss of their friend and captain who had just given his life to save their lives. Spock style. (laughs) Uh, McCoy notices the dead Tribble he tested Khan's blood on is slowly regaining its life signs. Realizing the effects of the genetically enhanced blood, he orders one of Khan's people removed from its cryotube, reanimated, and held in a medically induced coma. He freezes Kirk to preserve his brain function, but he doesn't have any more of Khan's blood or semen. So, so he, and does it ever show the person they take out of the cryotube? Um, no, it doesn't. I don't think he. Uh, so they need Khan back on the ship alive, mm-hmm. and I don't understand why they need the person from the cryotube and Khan. Back on the ship alive. They they both have magic blood. Magic blood, right? Presumably. So why do they need Khan? His magic blood. <laughs> um. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess they kind of try to make make you forget about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like also they don't also like. A cryotube that you think there's no other way in the future at this point that they have there's no reason for them to preserve bodies to retain their uh, brain function like uh, moments after death like you know mm-hmm. like you don't think there's some superior form that they need the cryotube to do it I don't know nah. they, yeah they, they did say earlier in the film that the cryotube is like a really old technology that they haven't needed since they were they got like uh, past five warp, mm-hmm. you know, because they they no longer have to do super super long space missions. Yeah, but and but like med- but there is like a medical reason for wanting to preserve a human body with its yeah, like body. Walt Disney style. Yeah, Walt Disney style. Yeah, so it's sir, like yeah, save a semen. And so he's like, no, we gotta use the cryo tube instead. Yeah, it's weird. Um, <laughs> so uh, back on the barge, the garbage barge. Spock continues to fight with Khan in a seemingly evenly matched battle. Khan tries to jump to another garbage barge, but uh, Spock follows, proving physically to be almost Khan's equal. Mm-hmm. Which I don't understand how, but all right. <laughs> uh, the crew. Both com- Vulcans are pretty strong. They're pretty strong, but not like genetically engineered Khan strong. And he is able to re- resist a Vulcan neck pinch. He is, which is interesting. You never yeah. really get to see that. No, it's just like, okay, so what are the limits of his augmentations, it seems? Well, we know he's got a fucking enormous hog. 
He's as the, a giant hog. It's like draped over his shoulder, like a continental soldier. <laughs> yeah, it's like his ears <laughs> hanging low for sure. Yeah, yeah, and then like, and then of course, like magic blood. So presumably, like, why even? Need so he's got to have magic semen, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh-huh. Always makes a baby. He could come in a man and <laughs> junior him. junior style. Yeah, junior style. Uh-huh. It's like you are now pregnant. Kirk's yeah. like, what the? F-? <laughs> but uh, so he's got magic semen that can make a baby with anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got magic blood. Mm-hmm. He has giant dick. Mm-hmm. He also has um, like increased intelligence. But also, what I'm wondering about the magic blood is, is since it's so curative, it can literally cure anyone. Does that mean death, like natural death by natural means, is obsolete? Is obsolete? Is it obsolete for him? Because so, the blood is actually hit in his system. Here, here's the thing. Is he like Wolverine or some shit? <laughs> Ra- radiation poisoning, like, I mean, he he's already dead from it, and it like degrades and destroys your DNA basically. It does, and so that's how you die. And so apparently, this repairs your DNA to where it can also revive you and make your heart start beating again. Also, like stuff. things that are irritated, like they stay that way for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah which absolutely. is why, like, yeah, like in like uh, the people who died in Chernobyl, they had to fucking weld them into yeah. steel and steel yep. cor- uh, things, and then bury them underground. Yeah, <laughs> it's so <laughs> fucked up. They were also then in case that were encased in cement and then buried underground. Yeah, because yeah. there was so so much risk at the at, because of their bodies. So presumably, this and also, also like, because just in case zombies, just in case, right, just in case zombies, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just in case zombies. So it's just like so. You think like not only would he have been killed, also been melted. Yeah, his DNA would have been like all race. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think my my brother who works in nuclear energy said like I think like um, um, the best depictions of radiation poisoning are like I think canine the Widowmaker hmm. and um, um, Chernobyl the series, which has done yeah. a pretty good job. Just like it shows how you know people like because that's because like when the guys were uh, the. The, the the pilots who were exposed to like the radiation that were coming out of the plume mm-hmm. of Chernobyl and who were just going and dumping stuff in mm-hmm. to try to put out the radiate radiation fire like mm-hmm. like they were fine for a long time until then like they got and then their skin just started to slaw off their bodies yeah. and shit and it's yeah just like, there's some fucked up stuff there was yeah. like a guy uh, who got radiation poisoning uh, it was a Japanese um, worker mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't Fukushima it was another meltdown like way before that in the 90s or something mm-hmm. or it wasn't a it was like a, a rod plant where they made like the mm. the fucking plutonium rods or uranium rods mm-hmm. or whatever and uh, his w- when he first uh, got hit with radiation got terrible radiation poisoning like 800 times what you're supposed to have Ugh. yeah the lethal dose like for the first couple of days he felt fine but mm. then his skin started to get red and then it started like he blistered his body basically entirely turned into a blister and his skin would just like slide off and shit like that and like there's there's a great like two-hour youtube video on it and it is Ugh. it is yeah it is by far the most fucked up grass graphic depiction of anything you'll ever hear in your life. Oh, yeah. I mean, I it's, think at that point, I would be just be like, put a bullet in my no, brain. No, 100%. Like, by the time <laughs> they're at, like, two weeks for him, I would have been like, if you don't kill me, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. Like, I can't because there's no skin on my hands. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> like I, I can't fi- grab gun. I will find a way. Yeah, I must Stop kill my... keeping me alive. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I, uh, I have no mouth, but I must scream. Yeah. It's like... I have no trigger finger, but I must kill. <laughs> like it's, oh yeah, I would beg for a bullet. Like oh, I, yeah. that would, yeah. And and that's the thing. Like yeah, like Kirk's body would be completely irritated. Like 
he would have <laughs> that'd be funny. He's just like has to be like, well, Jim, we got to put you on a on an uninhabited planet because yeah, you're gonna be a radioactive for the next hundred years, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But Khan's blood cures all that. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it keeps him from dissolving. It keeps him from just like melting like a uh, like a candle, mm-hmm. and it also cures it makes the radiation go away. And also, um, you know, make his big dick nice and hard. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, the crew cannot make contact with Spock during his fight, so Ahura beams down to the transport vehicle that they're fighting on. Mm-hmm. As the battle intensifies and Khan becomes dangerously close to killing Spock, Ahura opens fire on Khan with a phaser set to stun. Although he is not knocked out, he is distracted enough for Spock to turn the tide of the fight. He eventually breaks Khan's arm and starts to beat him in a rage. <laughs> A hearse, and so, like, his bones don't repair, I guess? I don't know. Yeah. A uh, hearse screams for Spock not to kill Khan and that they need him to save Kirk. Upon realizing that Kirk can be saved, in fact, Spock regains his emotional control and hits Khan with an uppercut that knocks him out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess that works. Yeah. <laughs> So next we get um, like a bunch of voices, like stuff that we've heard Kirk hear and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. the one that really stood out to me was Pike going like, 800 men, I dare you to do better from the first film where oh, he yeah. like tells his Tim that his dad saved 800 people in 12 minutes and he dares him to do better or mm-hmm. whatever. So two weeks later, <clears throat> none other than James T. Kirk wakes up. He's not dead. Who would have thought? Who would have thought they wouldn't have killed James T. Coming. Kirk in the second film? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't see that coming at all. So he wakes up in a bed in uh, San Francisco in a hospital. Dr. McCoy has created a serum from Khan's blood to revive the captain. Mm. Kirk thanks Spock for saving his life. But it sounds like it was McCoy who really saved his life. Yeah. Uh, in turn, Spock expresses gratitude that Jim is alive. I really need to know what the deal was with them getting the person out of the cryo tube because they they didn't they didn't need them at all i'm so confused uh just to put put kirk's body in it why they waited to get the blood but but no why didn't they take blood from the person that was frozen unclear they should have had the same type of maybe they, maybe they didn't even maybe they didn't weren't sure if like his blood would work or not maybe they thought it was like a, something that was unique to Khan, so they didn't want to take any chances fine <laughs> Fine. They needed to explain that, though, because it's like you have 72 other genetically engineered people there who mm-hmm. are technically alive. Yeah. You don't need Khan alive. No. No. And even, and guess what? Even after you kill somebody, guess what they still have in their body? This is going to blow your fucking mind. Huh. Blood. What? You wouldn't believe it, but... but- we Bloods. don't know if we don't know if the blood will still be curative. If, if oh yeah, does. we won't know if his blood is still going to be alive. Well, it's like, well, like his al- yeah, because alive blood is very different from well, blood, dead well, blood. They don't know if like if like hit, like what they know the knowns that there are is that the blood came from Khan and he was alive when they took the blood. So like you have to recreate those knowns. You can't you can't deal with any sort of like unknowns. Like like, if like, the, if the like you work. think there's a difference between live and dead blood. Just saying, like they don't know. I, I, I'm just saying there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> but what about blood that can cure any disease and bring people back from death? What about it? Is there a difference between that blood? I mean, it, it can't bring anybody back from death. It brought, it brought a, it brought a triple that whose death is date of death unknown, mm-hmm. and then um, 
uh, Kirk, who is recently dead. Yeah. So you got to presume like anybody within that frame of time be brought back to life. That's fair. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> so uh, Spock expresses his gratitude that Jim Kirk is still alive. Elsewhere, Khan has been returned to his cryo tube and he and his crew lay frozen in a darkened room. So they leave it open for him to come back in another Star Trek, I guess. Who cares? Yeah. Which will never be made. Probably not. Hopefully not. Yeah. Um, so nearly a year after the events of all of this, Kirk is addressing a gathering at the rechristening ceremony of the USS Enterprise, which has been completely rebuilt. Mm-hmm. He says that Starfleet should not let enemies pull them away from their true mission of exploration. Soon after... Kirk returns to the Enterprise. And I just got to say, I think maybe J.J. Abrams is an enemy here because he pulled them away from their true mission of exploration. Mm. He just made another military film. Yeah, I did. Yep. So soon after, Kirk returns to the Enterprise, where all is in order to begin their five-year mission into deep space, into unexplored territory. He leaves Sulu from the captain's chair, and Sulu admits he finds the power of command to be... Addictive. Uh oh. Oh my. <laughs> It'd be funny if this actually sets uh, to co- uh, Sulu up to be a villain. That would be like awesome. He's like, I must get that power again. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love the feeling. I love it so much. <laughs> give me the ship. Give me the ship. Give me the ship. I need more. Um, Dr. McCoy is dismayed by the length of their mission, but not by the length of Spock's penis. No. He's like, ah, oh, bigger than average. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God damn it. I'm a bottom ass. Not a bottomless pit. (laughs) Uh, Scotty, who had returned to his post as chief engineer with uh, Keenser, reports that the engines are, quote, purring like a kitten. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And that the vessel is ready for a long, hard, juicy journey. Kirk, yeah. yeah, Kirk welcomes Carol Marcus aboard as part of their crew and family. She won't come back. <laughs> Spock expresses his trust in Kirk's good judgment on where to begin their exploration. And with that, Kirk orders Sulu to take us out. <laughs> and he takes out a gun and shoots everybody. <laughs> That's the fucking film. Yay! What do you think? I mean, it's not my favorite. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I would have preferred this movie not have, I think I said, you know, earlier, like, just not have Khan at all. Yeah, no, it didn't need Khan. Khan made the film objectively worse. I think Peter Weller is, Peter Weller's more compelling to watch, for Mm -hmm. one. Like, Benedict Cumberbatch, like, I, I... I don't know. It's it's just like looking at a piece of white bread, almost like to me. Like he he's just like he's fine. He like uh, like he does have some good acting roles, but mm-hmm. like this, I just felt like it was that he didn't do anything with it that was interesting, and he didn't he didn't really like believe him to be be that villainous. Mm-hmm. Like um, like I think Peter Weller would have pulled off a better villain. Right, and like if they would have just made Peter Weller con and made the big reveal like at the very end, like, hey, I'm not, I am an admiral, but guess what? I've infiltrated the admiralty as fucking con, bitch. That would have that that would have been a good like uh, big flip, especially for like people watching, mm-hmm. and like you know that scene where like you know 
you know, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch like confronts him on the on the on the um, on the uh, bridge of the vengeance, mm-hmm. and you think like Khan's gonna do it now, but then like it's it's uh, Peter Weller that takes Benedict out, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's just like, and it turns that out like, been interesting, yeah, 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 and it turns out like you know Benedict Cumberbatch, what was um, Khan's buddy's name in the. Um, and uh, um, Wrath of Khan. Oh, the yours is superior yeah, guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would have been interesting. Like it turns out that he was. That would have been good if if like mm-hmm. both of them were augments and like in that would have been interesting. And he was posing as Khan. Exactly. If yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch were like, I am Khan, and or and that was the red herring. Yes. That would have been actually good as fuck because then they could have used it in the marketing and people would have been like, well, he's Khan. But then there would have been an actual twist that would have blown people's dick holes out of their yeah. mind asses yeah and then yeah peter weller is just like wow. much yeah and like i think peter weller would have also made an awesome con yeah straight <laughs> up he'd make an awesome most anything yeah you would have you would have like really just turned it up and then just like been like actually like i think he's good at playing very sinister characters when he wants mm-hmm. to and that would have been interesting. Uh, if you were going to include Khan, at least do something better with him than just make him like a British person mm-hmm. who's just like who doesn't have a lot of screen time or reason to even be around. Yeah, and it's like I don't know the melodramatic acting from everyone was fine, but it mm-hmm. kind of took me out of it a little bit because like I don't know. Even though there's a lot of overacting in Star Trek, it's never quite so terse and dour. I yeah. guess. Unless there's a point to it. Like, I watched, um, uh, fucking, uh, a couple nights ago, I watched, uh, In the Pale Moonlight, mm. uh, the DS9 episode. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's like, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's dark. Yeah. It's fuck. But it's like, it's not so dour as this is. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not trying to be so gritty. It's just trying to be, like, realistic and it just tells a really cool narrative tale through the eyes of one person. Yeah. Um, you know, this this was fine. This is, in my opinion, definitely the weakest of these three films. It and is. it's like, I would put this on about the same level as Star Trek V. Yeah. Like, it has good moments. It has bad moments. It has fun moments. But ultimately, the whole film doesn't really work, no. I don't think. Yeah, there the are parts only, of it that work. Though. The only thing that I really like about the movie, well, mm-hmm. one that like um, is well, one I like the music. Like the music's um, good. Yeah, I the mean, music's really good. But they pretty much it is very much, and they use a lot of the same stuff from mm-hmm. the soundtrack of the first one. They do. So I don't. It's definitely not better than the soundtrack for the yeah, first one, and but, it's not that much different either. But uh, music, and also like that, J.J. Abrams is good at balancing out like. Giving giving all of the, all of the all of the leads something to do. Yeah, absolutely. So like you know, Sulu has a thing like Chekhov. Mm-hmm. Like even though Chekhov's, Chekhov's thing is just Scotty's thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean Chekhov. I mean Chekhov does have some fun moments, you know, especially when the ship's all fucking out and he's like mm-hmm. doing those little, like I got to save the ship and like <laughs> and just like scooting around on his knees and and saving that. I mean that's a little fun fun thing and. You feel you do feel it's like a more ensemble cast than the other TOS movies. That's and, true. Um, so I will say that's good. I would I would have, but I would have liked it to be in service of a better film. Yes, all, overall, like yeah, I, especially I for how long this film is. Yeah, because it's over two hours long. It's like two hours ten minutes, two hours twenty. Yeah, two hours two like twelve. Yeah, two twelve. Yeah, and so it like and it feels it. It feels its length, which I <laughs> think is a problem. It does, and that's and that's and it makes it even longer when the fact that you have like this the tacked on 
um, Wrath of Khan ending. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, uh, who cares? And then I didn't care. I, yeah, I didn't care either. And it would have been one thing if like maybe they had left it with Kirk being dead and just do a, a search for Spock type thing because mm-hmm. it's like because you don't even get to sit with the the feeling of like the actual loss of Kirk because no. he's, he's brought back immediately. Yes, like, like within <laughs> I'd say probably five to ten minutes. Yeah, on, and, and on they're film. like, oh, we'll just use the magic blood on him. They're like, a magic blood, of course. And of mm-hmm. course, as an audience member, you're like, okay, yeah, the magic blood's going to bring him back to life. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, eh. yeah, and yeah, I would have I would have liked all of that removed. Like, we didn't need to recreate the Wrath of Con. Like, it could have been better if they just did another thing. Mm-hmm. Like, find something else to do. Like, with with like like uh, feelings of loss. Straight straight up, it would have been cool if like in the marketing, like they used like my name is and then like cut it out. So you think he's gonna say Con, or something like that, but then he's not Con at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and they could have also, instead of using the Beastie Boys, they could have used Kid Rock. My name is... Ball with the ball, to bang to bang, diddy diddy, diddy said the boogie, and up jumped the boogie. Ball with the ball, to bang to bang, diggy diggy, diggy said the boogie, and up jumped the boogie. Ball with the ball, to bang to bang, diggy diggy, diggy said the boogie, and up jumped the boogie. Ball with the ball, to bang to bang, diggy diggy, diggy said the boogie, and up jumped the boogie. The fact that you know his scatting, scary to me. The fact that you don't disappointing to me sorry 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 oh, yeah you will, be. you will be i'm taking it out of your paycheck yeah motherfucker. yeah and, and why 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 use yeah why use the beastie boys again when there was another like annoying white rapper you could have used <laughs> yeah there's so many annoying white rappers out there now like you should have waited 10 years yeah um, use the bong dong dong the bitty the what bong dong dong the bitty <sighs> Never mind. <laughs> um, we'll talk about it later, okay? <laughs> no, I do think like having having Benedict Cumberbatch play the Khan's buddy, and then yeah, like mm. Peter Wellapeg on would have been perfect. Yeah. yeah, and so ultimately, I don't know. Um, this is this is middling. It's not bad. I wouldn't call it a bad film. It's competent enough. It's competently made. Yeah. Uh, the marketing really killed a lot of shit for the film, and yeah. like just like. <clears throat> The pacing is a little bit off, and I feel like the story, the th- the end of the third act sucks to me. Yeah, like up until then, it's pretty pretty fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I th- I think I give this maybe a five and a half or six out of ten. It's better than average, but not much. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I think they did make some attempts to try to make some like interesting scenes, like you know mm-hmm. the when. Um, Kirk and Connor going through the debris field, you know, mm-hmm. that's that was entertaining. But like but that's all all of that stuff is deflated with like the last part where it's just like, okay, we gotta do the con ending the Wrath of Con ending. Like mm-hmm. I don't care about that. Like No, not at all. Yeah. Think of something else, people. Yeah, right? Have uh have a little a little creativity around. Yeah, have a little faith in your audience. Have some faith in the heart. Too. Yeah, pay 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 the writers more and then they'll come up with better stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean you'd hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, you got anything more to say on this? Eh, no. Not really. No. Well, I guess that's a good place for us to leave it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> That's it, Soyagers. Um, I wouldn't really recommend Star Trek Into Darkness unless you're watching all the AOS films in a row. Yeah. And then it's, I guess, necessary. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that seems like yeah, if you're going to do a completion run and just want to have like a tr- good sense of the trilogy, because yeah, I guess that's all it ever will be is a trilogy. Mm-hmm. So they're not Probably. making the fourth fourth movie. Nope, I I assume Chris Pine's too expensive now after they made gold out of a shitty premise with yeah. with Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah, and like, and I think everyone's also just like, yeah. Zoe I mean, Saldana's all over Marvel films and shit. Yeah, I mean, Zoe Saldana, I think it's funny. Like, she is, like, the sci-fi girl. I mean... Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Avatar. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in, like... an all Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah, she's... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, she is in three of the top ten film franchises of all time. Yeah. Which is insane. Oh, like, yeah. She's... Yeah, she's one of the highest grossing per movie actresses ever. Yeah. Yeah, which is... Yeah. Pretty, pretty impressive. Good for her. Good yeah. for Zoe. She's uh, she's a I mean great actress and bu- 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 banging. She is same with you know same with Chris Pine actually. I would yeah I would put both of them on kind of a similar level of talent and uh, I want to have sex with them. <laughs> Putting that out in the universe. Yep, just uh, manifest y- your destiny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whatever. Not but but not manifest destiny. No, I mean, not for you, maybe. <laughs> Some of us love Westward Expansion. <laughs> like my friend on a $20 bill, Mr. Andrew Jackson. Uh, yeah. I'm only going to pay you in 20s from now on and accuse you of being a, a colonialist. <laughs> hey, look at your colonialist coupons here. You want you want these Andrew Jackson books, buddy? <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, I don't have it queued up. Oh, well, it's fine. Yeah. I, uh, we're just going to leave it there. All right. Bye. Bye, y'all. Soy, 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 Good thing you wore black. Get the Windex. What are we, Greek? We're getting Windex now? <laughs>